Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching, glorify God, and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. Well, welcome to this new podcast series on effective classroom management. And as we start into this series, I want to start by asking the question, what does God have to say about classroom management? Or what kind of classroom management is God calling us to? And this may be a question you've spent a lot of time thinking about. It may be one you've never even thought to ask. And I will say this question is very big. There is probably, and we could spend hours talking about this, um, which we obviously don't have time to do today. So what I'm going to do is share just some of the thoughts that came to my mind and some of the points that I think are particularly helpful and relevant as we consider this question. But I hope this is just the jumping off point for you to have continued discussions with friends and colleagues about what God would have to say and what what principles we glean from scripture that can help us in our classroom management. Now, before I get into the actual principles and the things we want to discuss, I do want to say that I do not believe that there is one classroom management style that is the only right style, okay? There are lots of different approaches to classroom management. There are lots of different personalities that we have. And the way one person's personality works in the classroom and the way someone else's personality works might be different, and that might create a different style of classroom management. So as believers, I don't think there's one, you know, specific way that everyone should always deal with, you know, every single issue in the classroom. But these principles from scripture should impact our style no matter what our personality is, right? So matter no matter what my personality type, whether I'm outgoing, whether I'm introverted, whether I am very, you know, passionate and excitable or more quiet, whether I get angry easily or I'm more prone to be patient, regardless of that, These truths from scripture should shape and inform and the spirit working in my heart should affect that regardless of my personality. So hopefully that makes sense. What I'm trying to say is that our classroom management won't always look the same, but as believers, it should have some hallmarks that we're working towards, that we're all working towards. And that's what we want to talk about today. So here's the thing. First thing, as we grow in sanctification... Our classroom management should be evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. So what are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I took the time to list those slowly, not because I don't think you know what they are, but so that we could take a moment and think about each one. And wow! That is a lot. The fruit of the Spirit is not an easy thing to portray day in and day out. So I think this is a very important moment to point out that the fruit of the Spirit is just that. It's the fruit 
or the result of the Spirit's work in our hearts. As Christians, God, part of the salvation process is that once we are his child, he sanctifies us. He makes us more like Christ and more like himself. And Christ displayed all the fruit of the Spirit. That is who God is. So we, as we're growing in sanctification, as the Spirit is working in us, we should be showing more patience now than we did five years ago, more peace now than we did five years ago, right? More gentleness and kindness now than we did five years ago, okay? I'm saying five years because there we all have ups and downs. I might not be more patient this week than I was last week because I might be having a bad week. But overall, we should be seeing God growing us in these areas. And I bring this up because I think it's important that we as Christians value these traits. It can be easy to squelch the Spirit's work in our hearts by, by kind of writing off some of these saying, I don't really need to be patient, or I don't need to work, work, be gentle. Or if we don't hold these traits up as recognizing that this is what the Spirit is trying to do in me. And so then when I see the Spirit pushing me in that direction, I can recognize it and say, this is the Spirit pushing me. Yes, I need to go that way, right? Because there's so many voices in the world that push us this way and that way. And some of them are are true and some of them are false and it can be hard to discern. So when you sense the Spirit pushing you towards more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more self-control, um, you can recognize that and work with the Spirit and allow Him to produce that in your life. And so that should be something that we're looking for is um, seeking to be more patient, more kind, more gentle, and all of these things. And they really should be hallmarks of our classroom management. So that's our first point, that as we grow in sanctification, the fruit of the Spirit should be more and more evident in all areas of our life. And we definitely want to allow that to translate over to our classroom management and ask the Spirit to help us translate that over to our classroom management. Number two, we should follow Jesus' example of loving and caring for our students' whole beings, not just seeing their misbehavior. A few things in relationship to this. When we look at Jesus over and over, we see him showing compassion to those he was teaching and interacting with. He was kind and gentle, and he saw more than people's, more than just their misbehavior. When he saw people that were living in sin, he cared about their hearts and he cared about their soul. And he didn't allow himself to just be, you know, turned off by them and, and, and against them. He was always moving towards people with compassion. Does that mean he excused their sin? No, he didn't. But he loved them despite of it and sought their hearts and sought their souls. And that's what we should do as well. Another thing we want to remember in following Jesus' example is we should remember that each student has been created in God's image and is loved by God, even the one that is driving us nuts. So it's helpful to remember, I am called to love my students the way God loves them. And I am certainly not going to do that perfectly every day, but that's what I should be seeking to do with the Spirit's help. And then another thought under here is that you're probably realizing this already. 
we need to seek to get to know our students and build relationships with them, right? Part of how we love someone is by getting to know them. Um, it's, it's hard to love someone you don't really know very well, and it's hard to care for them if you don't know what they need. Um, so we should be seeking ways to build relationships with our students, and we should love and care for them and seek what is best for them. And I think that phrase is, is helpful for us to keep in mind. Our classroom management should be seeking what is best for our students. It shouldn't really be about what we like or what's easiest for us. It should be about what's best for them. Okay, so we should always be asking that. What do these students need? What is best for them and for their learning? Um, and that's something that we should care about. All right, so number one, the fruit of the Spirit should be more and more evident in our classroom management. Number two, we should follow Jesus' example of loving and caring for our students' whole beings rather than just seeing and being frustrated by their misbehavior. And then number three, and as I said, there are so many more things we could say, um, but for today, the third and final thing that we want to talk about, and there's a lot here, is that... I do believe when we look at scripture, we see that we should teach our students what is right and wrong, and we should hold students accountable. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because this whole concept of right and wrong and holding students accountable and um, definitely consequences is really falling out of vogue um, in our current culture. And I think there's some reasons behind that that we should recognize as believers. Because our world at large is rejecting God, that causes so much confusion. You see people questioning, is there even right and wrong? And then they say, is it right to impose certain standards on children? It's kind of ironic that they ask if, if it's right to do something right after they ask, is there even a such thing as right and wrong? But that's another discussion. Um, and some people question, though, should we stop giving consequences because it hurts kids' self-esteem and isn't self-esteem what's most important? Okay, so there's all these questions swirling around. These are not new questions. You've heard this probably a hundred different ways. So as believers, we need to be discerning and we need to recognize when ideas or questions or philosophies that we're hearing are stemming out of a worldview that has rejected God. And I'm not saying that's always what happens, but a lot of these questions are. Because if you think about it, if I if I deny God and and don't want to acknowledge him, then who's to say what's right and wrong? And my self-esteem is all that matters. I, you know, and 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 it just produces a whole different paradigm. And we need to recognize that. So, so to the point, um, we should be teaching our students what's right and wrong. We don't need to apologize for that. As much ability as we have to do that, um, we should. And we should also hold students accountable because that is what is for their good. So let's take a few minutes and talk specifically about consequences, because I think this is a question a lot of us have. Um, you know, should we use consequences in our classroom? What's the point? How do they work? Um, so let's ask this question first. What is the point of consequences biblically? When we look at the Bible, how do we see consequences being used? And I just wrote down a few points. The first thing I wrote down is that 
many times, consequences are not about punishment. The punishment for sin is death. And if we're in Christ, that punishment has been borne by Jesus. If we are not in Christ, we will face the punishment for sin, which is eternal death. Okay, so when we think of punishment, that is the ultimate punishment. Okay, Um, but here and now, consequences in many cases aren't about punishment. It's rather about God using them to help us recognize our wrong and turn our hearts back to him. We see that over and over in scripture. If you start thinking of examples when individuals or groups experienced consequences, um, it wasn't just like vengeance. Um, It was for the purpose of recognizing wrong, turning hearts back to God in many cases, at least for those who are in Christ. So that's something that we want to consider and realize that that can also be a purpose of consequences in our classroom management, right? To help students recognize um, that this is wrong. If there's um, sometimes the consequence the consequence can help a student recognize, okay, this is not right behavior. I recognize that. I recognize the weight of the wrong, um, and I'm going to make a better decision. We also see in scripture consequences being used as warnings or deterrence. Um, so God warns Israel of the consequences of turning away from him uh, in Deuteronomy, throughout the kings and the prophets, when Israel was um, being worshiping idols, they were warned over and over um, that this was going to lead to serious consequences. And they those warnings weren't heeded and they ended up in the exile. But those consequences were spelled out for them as a warning. Uh, we also see in the New Testament where Ananias and Sapphira were struck down for lying and there's a there, it's it seems like presumably this served as a warning to the church of the seriousness of lying to the holy spirit. So I do think there is a place for recognizing that consequences can help warn us away from things that are harm that might not seem harmful, but the but the recognition that this is going to have this consequence helps us put the weight on it that it already has, but that we might not see without the warning of a consequence. And then consequences in some cases can deter wrong behavior. In either case, consequences um, are designed for our good. They warn us away from things that will cause us and others harm. And the hope is that they will turn our hearts back to God. And this brings us to a conclusion that I think one of the reasons that consequences are so out of vogue um, because is because they do make students feel bad. Right? Consequences aren't fun. They make us feel bad. They show students where they're falling short. And in our modern thinking, the most important thing is to feel good about yourself. Feeling good about yourself is paramount. But from a biblical perspective, feeling good about ourselves isn't really what we need. What we need is to recognize recognize that we fall short and say, I need God and I need Jesus and my worth and my righteousness and any goodness that is in me is because of him, not because of me. And so that recognition that I fall short is not like in the secular eye, in secular eyes, that's not good. But from a biblical perspective, that recognition that we fall short is a good thing because hopefully that that 
that hopefully it points us to Christ. And maybe more to the point that recognizing we cannot come to Christ without recognizing our need. And sometimes consequences are a piece of that. So in conclusion, in this section, I would just say there are three reasons I believe consequences are good for students. Number one, um, the truth is that we need to recognize our sin and where we fall short. So it's not detrimental for a student to see that he has done wrong. That is actually good for their spiritual life, whether or not they realize that Jesus is the answer. um, It's not bad for a student to recognize I've fallen short. Number two, consequences serve as warnings or deterrents, which can really help the classroom run more smoothly. And then number three is that consequences are a natural part of life. They are a natural part of life, incidentally, because God is the creator of the universe, and he rules with perfect perfect love and perfect justice, and the wages of sin is death. And so consequences are part of our world, right? So if we artificially remove all consequences from our classroom, we are not helping prepare our students for life. Um, We just aren't. Um, They're going to have this artificial view that actions don't have consequences, and that clearly is not how life works. So my conclusion on consequences is this. It is not wrong to have consequences in your classroom. Um, Obviously, if your school doesn't allow them, then you have to take that into account and you have to honor what your school expects. But apart from, you know, directives saying that you can't, consequences can be part of our classroom management. And they probably should be. But they should only be one part of our classroom management. And they should not be the cornerstone of our classroom management. If we rely solely on consequences, and that is like the main thing that we rely on, at best, we're doing behavior modification. At best, okay? Um, And we are missing out on what matters most. Our classroom management should be built on the fruit of the spirit, love, kindness, compassion, care. Um, We should be demonstrating empathy and humility. Those should be the hallmarks of how we interact with our students. But we shouldn't feel that being loving and kind and empathetic means that we should have no consequences. Because the truth is, in many cases, consequences are exactly what our students need. And the most loving thing we can do is show them um, the con- is show them consequences so that um, they can recognize and make better choices in their life and recognize where they're wrong. And also so that we can have a classroom environment that runs smoothly and is ordered so that all of the students can grow and learn together. So I know I've thrown so much at you today. I've really shared a lot of different thoughts about classroom management and different things that I've been considering from scripture on how they should impact our classroom management. To summarize, though, the three things we talked about were, first of all, how the fruit of the Spirit should be evident more and more in our classroom management. We should seek to have our classroom management and our interactions with our students mirror the fruit of the Spirit. Second, we should follow Jesus' example of loving and caring for our whole students, their whole being, rather than just seeing and being frustrated by their misbehavior. 
And then finally, we should teach what is right and we should hold our students accountable. And particularly in there, we talked about how um, consequences are a tool to hold students accountable. And while our, uh, while they should not be the cornerstone of our classroom management, um, we also shouldn't be afraid to incorporate consequences um, because of all the reasons that we talked about today. I do hope that these ideas were helpful for you and give you a lot to think about and to pray about and to discuss because, as I said, we really just scratched the surface and there's so much to think about and consider um, with all of this. In a moment, we're going to pray, but first, I want to invite you, first of all, back to the rest of this podcast series where we're going to be exploring a whole lot of the practical side of, okay, well, what does this actually look like and how do we, uh, what do we do if we're struggling with classroom management issues in our classroom? And particularly next week, we're going to talk about three common classroom management mistakes and how to avoid them. I also want to invite you to a free training we're going to be doing here very soon. Um, It is called How to Reduce Disruptions Without Yelling, Begging, or Bribing. And you can sign up and get all the details at teachfortheheart.com slash training. That's teachfortheheart.com slash training. And of course, it'll also be linked in the blog post for this series at teachfortheheart.com slash management. Let's take a few minutes and pray about what we learned today. Father, thank you so much that you care about us, that you are involved in our lives, and that you care about our classroom management. Thank you for your spirit that is working in us each and every day. Teacher, take a few minutes and pray that God would help grow the fruit of the spirit in you and help you demonstrate the fruit of the spirit to your students. Next, ask God to help you follow Jesus' example of loving and caring for your students' hearts and souls, rather than just being frustrated by their misbehavior. Consider a student that's been particularly frustrating uh, to you lately or that you've been having trouble with and pray specifically for that student that God would work in them, work in your interactions, and help you develop a better relationship with them. And then finally, just take a few minutes to talk to God about whatever's on your mind as it comes to classroom management, whether it's questions about consequences or a particular situation that you don't know what to do with. Uh, Take a few moments and ask for God's help and guidance.
Father, we thank you that you always hear us, that you're always with us, that you care, and that your spirit is working in us to make us more like you. We pray that you will help us to recognize when your spirit is moving and to work with the spirit and not fight against it. We thank you that you are with us each and every day. I pray that you'll guide these teachers um, to the truths that you would have for them and to the solutions that they need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we were so glad to have you in this episode. Once again, we want to invite you to the free training, How to Reduce Disruptions Without Yelling, Begging, or Bribing, um, coming up live here very soon. Head to teachfortheheart.com slash training to sign up for free and get all the details. And then, of course, we hope you'll join us for the rest of this classroom management series as well. Next week, we'll be talking about three common classroom management mistakes that can cause a lot of trouble and how to avoid them. All the links and notes for this episode are at teachfortheheart.com slash management. And if you've been finding this series or our other podcast series helpful, we do hope that you will, um, first of all, share them with a friend or fellow teacher, and also leave a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Thanks for being here. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, remember, God is at work in you and through you, and he's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the heart.